This fall marks the 20th anniversary of the broadcast of The Band of Brothers. It was a limited series uh, put on television and was produced by Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks. Now it covered the World War II service of E Company, or Easy Company, who were, a, who were paratroopers and part of the 101st Airborne Division. Now, it covered their entire time in the war from training to their first uh, taste of the war, and their first moment of war was when they were dropped behind enemy lines in Normandy on June 5th, 1944, right before the D-Day invasion. Later on, they would go to defend the uh, town of Baston as part of the Battle of Ardennes, uh, more commonly known as the Battle of the Bulge. Despite the circumstances during that winter time, they had few resources and uh, they just did incredible service. And then they would end the war by seizing control over Hitler's retreat palace in the mountains. Now, to ensure historical accuracy, Spielberg and Hanks spared no effort or expense. In fact, the 10 episodes that were made cost over $12.5 million a piece to produce. Now, the actors who portrayed the soldiers uh, kind of got into that same spirit, and they contacted the surviving members of Easy Company to make sure they had it down right. They wanted to get all the mannerisms and all the uniqueness of their characters. And in the end, they became close friends with the men and their families. One of the men that was portrayed in Band of Brothers was the, um, the Sergeant Don Malarkey. He was from Oregon, and after the success of Band of Brothers, he, as well as several others in his company, decided to write books, and he wrote an autobiographical account of his time in the war with the help of the author Bob Welch. Now, as they were working on the book, there came a moment that Don told Bob that he had developed a friendship with a German soldier who had also fought in World War II. Now, Bob Welch was so engrossed in writing the book and that process that he kind of ignored what was said, and he was just focused on being able to finish the book and get it to the publishers on time. Well, they published the book in 2008, and years passed by, and Bob Welch forgot about that little nugget of, of information of Don's friendship with a German soldier. In 2017, Don Malarkey passed away at the age of 96. And it was a year and a half after that that Bob Welch got a phone call from Don's youngest daughter, Marianne. She told him that she thought he might want to write another book about her father, about his friendship with a German soldier. Well, out of respect, Bob Welch agreed to meet with her, although he already knew he was going to turn it down. He was way too busy with other projects, and he just didn't think there was enough there to be able to write a book on. But once they met and he heard the story, he knew that 
that was the book he wanted to write. That it was a story of how forgiveness and reconciliation formed the foundation of a life of peace. The book is entitled Saving My Enemy, How Two World War II Soldiers Fought Against Each Other and Then Later Forged a Friendship That Saved Their Lives. A few weeks back, I obtained the book and I read it and finished it in just a couple evenings. It was that captivating and I just couldn't put it down. I highly recommend it because it is a wonderful example of the power of forgiveness in our lives. Today's scripture offers that same advice. It comes from Paul's letter to the Romans. And it begins with the, the phrase, let love be genuine. Now, it doesn't sound like much, but that phrase is the theme of the entire passage. And the reason it's so important is because the word that is translated as love in the English language is actually the word agape. And prior to this point in his letter, Paul has only used the word agape, has only used that word for love when he described God's love for people. And here at the beginning of this passage, he is saying, let love be genuine. He's telling the people, let your agape love, let the love of God live through you and be genuine. And that would mark the rest of the passage, that we are to love others with the love of God. Now, this is to be the hallmark for our lives, a way of life for us to strive for peace, to offer forgiveness. And we can do all of these suggestions and advice he offers in this passage when we let agape when we let God's love flow through our lives. There are three things that I want to discuss this morning that can help us live a type of love like God's love. First is to remember to give and accept forgiveness. When Paul starts off with this phrase, let love be genuine, it is, as I mentioned, the first time he ever attributes the love of God to something we're called to do, agape. Now, the best definition I think I've, I've seen of this, this word, this kind of love that we're supposed to express, is a willingness to set one, uh, oneself aside for the sake of others to voluntarily set oneself aside for the welfare of others. Now, Paul doesn't say that we should forgive only those who ask for forgiveness or deserve it. In fact, in this very same passage, he says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Now, it's not that we are to kind of ignore the atrocities in the world or diminish them because Paul also writes at the very beginning, hate what is evil. And certainly, 
The men and women who, who fought against Hitler in World War II were fighting against something that was atrocious. That kind of evil had to be encountered and stopped. But most of the time in our daily lives, we don't encounter that kind of conflict at that level. The issues that we encounter day to day can usually be resolved if we offer a little patience and kindness and forgiveness. And if we don't practice that in our day-to-day -day lives, how are we going to be ready when something big really happens in our lives that really requires us to dig down deep and offer forgiveness and grace? Fritz Engelbert was raised in Mischenbach, Germany, and he didn't have a very close relationship with his father. He knew that his father despised Hitler, and probably as much despite his father, he joined the Hitler youth as soon as he could. But as he was in that group, he really fell in love with everything that Hitler was saying, and he bought into it, and he eagerly joined the service in World War II, willing to give his life for his Fuhrer and the cause. Now, interestingly, Throughout the war, Fritz never killed any enemies. And that's because his group uh, never had any really victory in battle, and they were always on the retreat. And so he ended the war without having killed any of his enemies, and yet he still felt incredible shame. Because as the war progressed, he began to see Hitler for who he really was and he recognized the incredible evil that the man and his beliefs were, and he was ashamed that he had ever believed in them and served them. When he left the war, he felt um, nothing but shame about himself. Now, Don Malarkey had a similar uh, path. He entered into the war, and yet his combat experience, he did kill many enemy soldiers, Germans, and he felt this deep sense of guilt in his own life. As many of his friends died around him, he felt guilt that he was still alive and they weren't. And he felt, he felt guilty over all the lives that he had taken. Now, both... Fritz and Don married wonderful women. Fritz uh, and his loving wife would have two boys, and Don and his wife would have four children. And both men kind of retreated and put up this guard. Fritz's family never saw him really smile or enjoy life, and he always talked about the war, almost to punish himself for having been involved in it. Don's family saw that he drank to forget. And he never talked about the war because he didn't want to remember any of the pain that he felt he was a part of. And so on throughout the years, these men lived lives of shame and guilt until Don was contacted by Stephen Ambrose and he was interviewed as part of the book that Stephen Ambrose was writing, uh, the band of brothers that would give rise to the series. 
And Don found that in talking about his experiences, it was really healing for him. And so he began getting out, and he and his wife attended the reunions of Easy Company, and he started speaking about the war, and that was healing in a sense, even though he still carried this guilt. Well, on the other side of the world, after the success of Band of Brothers, there was kind of one of those grace moments of God. Staff Sergeant First Class Billy Maloney was serving uh, with part of the 101st Airborne Division, and he knew that his troops, they had been there fighting in the uh, war in Iraq for over 16 months straight. They needed a boost to their spirits, and so he decided to try to arrange and see if any of the surviving members of Easy Company could get together with his men and kind of have a, a chance to dialogue. Well, the studio put that together, a Band of Brothers tour that gathered up the surviving members of Easy Company, as well as the actors who portrayed them, and they were going to meet in Germany. And Sergeant Maloney made the suggestion that they should also invite former German World War II soldiers. And one of the Easy Company members felt a little uneasy and said, you know, I have some concerns about how everybody will take it. I feel fine with it, but I'm worried about some of my colleagues. And so Sergeant Maloney told him that he had seen times where enemies met, and he said, when you meet your enemy face to face, there's an opportunity for profound forgiveness. Fritz Engelbert was one of the German soldiers they invited. And at first, he flat out denied and uh, turned down the invitation. But his two sons really encouraged and pushed him to do it. So it was a multi-day event. And on that first night, they would have dinner together. And when Fritz walked in the room, he was the only German soldier uh, veteran there. And so he turned right around to head back out. But his sons kind of blocked the door and he was trapped, and they encouraged him to stay for a drink and for dinner. He sat down at the table across from a U.S. veteran, and this particular veteran had lost his brother and his own leg during the war. And he leaned across the table, looked right at Fritz, and said, if I had met you during the war, I would have killed you. And to make sure that there was nothing lost in translation, because there was a language difference, he made a gesture of taking his thumb across his neck all the way. Well, Fritz had had enough. And so he stood to leave. But just as he stood up, Don Malarkey stood up. And he had his glass, and he took his knife and tapped it to get everyone's attention. Well, Fritz was a good man. He didn't want to be rude and leave while anybody was talking. So he sat back down. But he was resolved to leave as soon as this announcement was over. And Don Malarkey looked straight at Fritz. And he said, Mr. Engelbert, you'll have to excuse my friend. I think he got some bad schnitzel or something. But then he went on and he raised his glass and he said, ladies and gentlemen, a toast to our new friend, Fritz Engelbert. Welcome to the Band of Brothers. And everybody toasted Fritz. And then they started applauding him. And Fritz broke up out in a huge smile. 
And from that moment, Don and Fritz were fast friends. Now, they didn't speak the same language, but Fritz's son could interpret for them, and they hung out together the next two days laughing and eating and drinking together and talking about everything. And on the final night, they decided to really sit down and get to know each other with Fritz's son to interpret. And so they talked about their families and everything that had happened, but they finally got on the subject of the war. And Fritz's eyes started to tear up. And he looked at Don and he said, I have the blood of American soldiers on my hands. I'm so ashamed because I followed blindly a, a raving madman, Hitler. I have the blood of the Jews and the others on my hands as well. Don reached across and grabbed the hand of Fritz and he said, Fritz, let it go. You were sent into war by your country. They put a weapon in your hand and you did what you had to do. You're a good man. You have raised wonderful sons. Let it go. And in that moment, Fritz's tears turned from tears of just shame to tears where he felt release. He felt freedom from that sense, that burden of shame for the first time since the war. And he started crying these tears of joy. And, and then Don kind of went back into himself and and thought about his own time in the war, and his eyes started to get teary, and he told Fritz, he said, Fritz, you are not alone in your shame. I feel so guilty about what I did. I see the faces of the soldiers that I killed, the German soldiers. I see their faces every single day. And now it was Fritz's turn. He reached over and took Don's hand, and he said, friend, the words you said to me, you must say to yourself. Not just say them, believe them. Your country put a weapon in your hand and sent you to war. You did what you had to do. And soon, Don felt that same sense of freedom and release. And the two men sat there, clasped hands, bonding over this newfound forgiveness and freedom. We are to live lives where we give and accept freedom for the sake of others and for our own lives' sake. Second, we need to outdo one another in showing honor. One of the biggest barriers that we have in our relationships is our society's propensity to judge. We don't really honor one another, we judge and we keep this kind of mathematical tally of pluses and minuses, and we try to figure out how many pluses somebody has, how many minuses, or are the minuses, are the mistakes really, really big to, to cast out all the other pluses they may have done in life? We look at people's past and we never let it go. God calls us to show mercy and forgiveness and we don't want to be judged like that. When we honor veterans, 
we do so to remember what they accomplished. One of the ways that we honor veterans is through the Buddy Poppy program. It was started um, all the way back shortly after World War I, and it's a red poppy as part of uh, what was written in the poem in Flanders Fields as a tribute to those whose lives were lost in World War I, and this red poppy has been used ever since. Today, these uh, poppies are made by veterans in VA rehabilitation centers, and it reminds us to honor veterans. Now, when we honor veterans, we aren't trying to assess every single thing they may have said or done. We are trying to honor and remember who they are and what they've accomplished, who they are as the people God created them to be, and how they committed themselves to a greater goal, to give of themselves for the welfare of others. As I mentioned, Fritz Engelbert and his father had a very strained relationship. It didn't help that Fritz's father was adamantly opposed to Hitler and that his son Fritz joined the Hitler Youth. Things got so bad that as one of the commitments in the Hitler Youth, you make a commitment to Hitler and the country above your own family. And so Fritz wrestled with whether or not he should report his father and have him arrested for his anti-Hitler thoughts. In the end, he decided against it and instead allowed it to increase the distance between the two. When he went to war, he really discovered who Hitler was, an evil, cowardly, terrible man. And he did feel this deep sense of shame at ever having believed in him. When he returned home after the war, his parents met him with warm embraces. But soon after, Fritz kind of pulled back and kept that distance between he and his father. He just knew that his father was waiting for the chance to tell him how wrong he'd been. The time passed and the Soviet Union began restricting the routes between East and West Berlin. And one evening, Fritz's father was reflecting on it at dinner and he said, you know, it's frightening how fast your friends can become your enemies. It wasn't that long ago that the Soviets were trying to defeat Hitler with the Allies. And before he could stop himself, Fritz said, I agree, and I'm so glad that they did. He was someone who needed to be stopped. That was the first time Fritz had revealed his true feelings since the war. And it rocked his father back, and he said, are you serious, son? Fritz nodded, and he knew it was coming. He knew his father was getting ready to say, I told you so. But instead of judging him for the past, his father, like a good father, honored him. And Fritz's father said, it takes real courage to change your convictions, as you apparently have, especially when it means swimming across the unholy tide of opinion of your country. We will not have good relationships with others if we continually judge people for their past 
we are called to honor and respect one another, to lift up who they are, all that's wonderful about them, and who they are as the people God created. And third, we're to live peaceably with all. Now, actually, what Paul wrote was, if it's possible, as far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. Because Paul recognized that there would be moments throughout history where tremendous evil would take power and it needed to be confronted and conquered. And there are those moments, those moments where a person like Hitler gains power and for the welfare of others, he had to be, he had to be defeated. But most of the time in our lives, we don't have that level of incident. And yet as a society, we seem to be far too willing to jump into any fight, even over the most trivial of things. I mean, think of it. Maybe you've never experienced this. But if you're driving down the road and someone cuts you off, and then some are so ready, they zoom around to get in front of them to show that person what it feels like to be cut off. Because instead of giving them the benefit of the doubt, they choose to believe that that person did it to them on purpose. Or maybe you have a neighbor who plays their car stereo too loud, and you're sure that they do it on purpose, and you don't give them the benefit of the doubt that they don't realize how much noise escapes their car, and so you start to judge and talk about them. Now, who listens to their car stereo outside of their car? How do you know how loud it is? Or maybe you've gone to a restaurant and you've experienced bad service or bad food and, you know, as a society, boy, we can't wait to jump online and post a negative review and we hope that they'll see it so it stings a little. But we don't give them the benefit of the doubt that maybe somebody was having a bad day or maybe we were having a bad day. The soldiers who fought in World War II didn't want to be there, but they knew the gravity of the situation demanded that they work to defeat the evil of Hitler and the Nazi ideology. Most of the time, we can choose to live peaceably by ignoring the, the minor, trivial irritations that we encounter. As far as it depends on us, and let's be honest, a lot of it does. In our attitudes, if we would give people the benefit of the doubt, we'll find a lot more peace in life. And wonderful things about living in God's love is that when we dedicate our lives to give ourselves for the welfare of others, our lives improve. Even when we face uh, struggles or loss, we have a better life lived in Christ. I mean, think of it, it's not rocket science. The more you strive to live peaceably with others, the more you're living in peace. The more we strive to bless and change the life of others, the more we live a life of grace. For Fritz, Engelbert, and Don Malarkey, they found their lives changed 
because of that initial meeting, a moment of forgiveness. Their families saw incredible changes in the men. Fritz's family noticed that he started laughing and smiling more, and he started hugging them for the first time ever. Don's family noticed the same thing about him, and Don started telling his children and his grandchildren that he loved them. He had never spoken those words before. Now, Don and Fritz both thought that they probably wouldn't see each other again. Don was 83 and Fritz was 79 at that first meeting, and they lived more than 5,000 miles apart, but they kept in touch by writing letters and emails. But a few years after that first meeting, Don's wife of almost, 50, or almost 60 years passed away, and Don sunk into this deep sadness. And after a few months, his daughter Marianne was trying to lift his spirits, and so she said, you know, Dad, would you like to go back to Germany and see Fritz? And all of a sudden, he changed, and he was himself again. He was looking forward to seeing his old friend. It turned out that Sergeant Maloney was gathering another group of U.S. and German veterans from World War II. And so Don uh, went, and as soon as he saw Fritz, he shook his hand, and they spent the time talking and joking and reminiscing. At the end of that visit, Don asked Fritz, Fritz if he would want to meet him again. He told Fritz that he was planning on coming back to Germany in a few months and bringing his family with him. And would Fritz be interested in meeting and bringing his family? And excitedly, Fritz said, yes, of course. So a few months later, Don and all of his family and Fritz and all of his family met. And as soon as the two men saw each other, they embraced in a hug like long-lost brothers. And they spent the, the whole time by each other's side, and the two families became fast friends, and those relationships continue to this day. Fritz would pass away in 2015 at the age of 90 years old, and Don's final years were marked by confusion as dementia took root. He went to live in a rehabilitation center, and before his death, he had this state of great agitation. And so a chaplain, a VA chaplain from the hospice program came to speak with him and she started talking about death and his fears. And Don stopped her and he said, I'm not going to heaven. And she asked him why he thought that was the case. And he said, because of all the bad things I've done. In his state of confusion, he had regressed back to the time of World War II, and all he saw was all the death that he had caused, and, and again, this guilt overwhelmed him. And the chaplain told him, you know, from my viewpoint, you were there serving your country in the name of defeating Hitler and freeing Europe. And he said, I killed so many German soldiers. He said, I'm going to hell. So the chaplain said, what do you feel like you need to do? And he said, I need to write a letter and ask for forgiveness. And so she helped him write the letter. And I want to read to you the letter that Don Malarkey wrote. 
Dear parents, I am sorry, so sorry for your loss. A friend of mine, a friend like no other friend I've had, a German soldier whose name I forget told me you only did what you had to do because your country told you to do it. And your son did the same for his country. It isn't fair, but maybe part of your son lives on in those who loved him. Please forgive me. For Don Malarkey, even in a state of confusion and dementia, he was able to recall the words of his friend Fritz, the comforting words that you did what you had to do. Now, he only remembered those as Fritz's words, but in his confusion, he forgot that he was the one who originally spoke them to Fritz, and that Fritz, in finding that healing forgiveness, offered the same back to Don. When we will live in a state of peace with others and strive for being a forgiving, gracious person, we'll find that we receive it in return. It makes for an incredible life. And to our veterans, thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your courage. And thank you for always being an example of what it means to give of yourself for the welfare of others. It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let each of us lift up our own silent prayers. Amen.